Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Comer's What's Up Enterprise podcast, where we explore the latest technology trends across the industries with leading experts from around the globe. Today, I'm welcoming back Blake Eastman over here. I'm super excited to have him on this guy. Yeah, great um, to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. I was reading one of your emails, and I always, I'm so blessed to be able to get one of your emails. You have a lot of insight and wisdom, and you were talking about, you know, that you wanted to, you know, have add value in the world. That's how I was reading. I was like, gosh, I mean, for me, you had a tremendous value. And this last one was particularly super interesting. And I do want to talk about it, but also hopefully we can talk a little bit more about where you're heading with how you're helping people, the technology that you're using. So we'll get into some of that. But, but I do think it's, this email that you recently set, sent, and I encourage you guys, if you are not on this email, you got to get with Blake and get on this email. But this one was particularly good. There is, there's a little bit of, you know, sad component to it, but it's, it's, it's eye-opening what you talk about. I'll let you talk about that for a minute, but it's, you mentioned it's everything about intention. And I think that you're so right. And yeah, if you could just share with everyone yeah. about that email, I thought it was a fantastic place to start. Yeah. So the email is basically just about sort of my father. So my, my dad has ALS. He's in the late stages of ALS and it's like fully paralyzed. I could only like communicate with his eyes and how I was talking about it is like, there's a lot of lessons that come from that and it's changed my life in a lot of ways. But the big thing that I was focusing on was the concept of intention. So it's like, we never really understand how long we have left on the planet like there's this assumption that we're going to live to 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 but like at the end of the day like everybody listening to this you can't you don't know for certain every single second if you're going to be alive or not, right like people drop dead of heart attacks and or there's accidents you know things happen and i just i was highlighting this notion of like i want to live a more intentional life in the sense that like where i'm spending my time doesn't matter what i'm actually doing what matters is that i'm more intentional while doing it so even like something like rest like oh that's a good one yeah like at the end of the day you sit down and you're like you're off and you're watching tv like being intentional and saying that like all right i'm really resting right now i'm not going to work i'm not going to check emails i'm not going to like i'm going to truly rest right now or working out or spending time with people and just the having a more intentional life and i've always been attracted by people that i feel like are very intentional like who are just like, you know, they want to get what they need to get done, done, or the kind of person that shows up to a business meeting and like puts away their phone and like really looks at you and really pays attention and isn't in another place. So just being more intentional with my time was, was the focus of the email. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think there's, you, you outlined some really good points. And one of them was how we're, we're using that time effectively in that moment, like being present. And last night, You'll like this. I was out Monday nights, Sherry and I, my sister, you know, we'll go out and do karaoke. Oh, cool. And sometimes I'm like, gosh, do I want to be there? And I, I never want to be the guy that does the same song twice. So I'm like, I really don't have a good song for this evening. But last night I said, basically like what your email is, I'm going to intentionally enjoy myself. I'm going to be there mm. in this moment and really just absorb what's going on. And it was so amazing so intense it was just being letting myself be in entertained and interactive with the people that were there so 
I only sang like twice, but which is actually a lot probably, but, but the people that were singing, I was really just experiencing what they were experiencing. And it was phenomenal. And I get what you mean. We don't know that next moment. You you just don't know. I, my cousin passed away a while back, but he was just heading to his car to put his tools back. And then he just passed away for, for no reason, you know, and, and the other, the other point that you were making about when you, you have an intention, your focus and energy is different. Totally, I totally got that. And like, while mm. I'm sitting there doing karaoke, I can experience this. I was like, this is even my daughter. And I noticed even with my intention being focused, like I'm really going to have a good time. I'm going to absorb everyone else's good time and energy. I noticed that even my daughter and then Sherry, of course, and my mom, mm-hmm. focus and intention elevated to that level. And, and my daughter was literally saying, this is the best time we've ever had at one of these events. And maybe it was also the event, but yeah. I also think maybe You're more it was present, more present. Yeah. You know, I did have my phone out here and there, but yeah, this, that email I thought that you put out was absolutely phenomenal in, in a sense that, thank you. And, and I'll tell you that I also love podcasts because I love to hear what people are doing well with, with, mm. with what they're working on. And, and like you said, I, I enjoy people who have that, they come to the meeting, their intent, and they, they know exactly what their purpose is. I can't tell you, there's so many times in my life where I, I'm just sitting around going, what am I, I have no focus right now. Yeah. And that's a terrible place to be, honestly. Like you're just. Yeah. It's, 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 it's normal though. Like there's like, that's the whole thing. I think when you listen to like any like self-development or concepts there's this inclination to think that like i want to become that thing right so like oh i want to become way more present or i want to become way more intentional and the truth is like it's human behavior is not one in which we flip a switch i mean there's sometimes examples of that but i I feel like they're kind of edge cases what tends to happen is if like you want to change it's like being more intentional for 10 minutes every day is like a bigger win than anything else like if you're more intentional for te- or or let's say you're just more intentional with the way that you're with your family or with your work or with your workouts or like just breaking it down to something that's like small and manageable as opposed to like yeah because that's not how it works like i you know had these experiences and it's like my intentionality has gone up incredibly over the past maybe like incredibly is not really a word but significantly over the past like 18 months, but from day one to day two, it looked that much different. Like these, it's slower than people think. And I think that there's people make themselves wrong if it's not like, yeah, if you were more intentional at karaoke than you've ever been before, it doesn't really matter if you check your phone five times. It's still a progress, right? Like you're still moving, you're moving towards a better direction. And I think it's a really important concept whenever you're changing behavior. Yeah. I, I just that one experience experiment actually it was kind of an experiment because i wasn't sure i really wanted to go but i was like you know what i'm gonna see if i can intentionally like just be present and absorb everyone else's excitement Mm. and it for whatever i mean whatever it was it seemed to really change everything yeah maybe it was just for me but i literally it was 
I was having such a good time. I, if I probably saw a video of myself, and I think people did take video, I, I might look like a fool to myself because I just let myself do. Yeah, you let yourself go, and you were you were creating did. a moment for yourself. I mean, that's yeah. what. Like the reality is, our our perception. Many people sort of. You can sculpt how you experience the world. So this is not something that's happening to you. It's something that you're you're an active role in. Right. Like it, 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 the best example is this, like you could be having the worst day, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're stressed, whatever, worst day. And I could come along and say like, hey, like you've just been, it's so crazy, but you're going to get awarded this contract. That's a complete game changer for you. And just hearing that piece of information, your whole entire state changes just with that. One second. Yeah. Right. One second. Everything. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm no longer tired. Let's get to work. This is going to be such a different thing. Like that just shows how humans are just such leaves in the wind, like, like at the effect of whatever's happening around them. And like the true locus control is to have like the power to recreate or create those moments wherever you go. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that, like that you could just create this like right now as you're walking, you talk yeah. about that. Yeah. It's like also like in a conversation with somebody, like if you're talking to someone and the conversation's not, let's say it's like having small talk or it's boring. It's like, well, you, you, you're 50% of that conversation. Like you could create a more engaged conversation right now. So I, I just believe that having the approach or understanding that you have like a hundred percent responsibility or hundred percent power in all your life is way better than being at the effect of, or like, Oh, this person's not interesting. Therefore the conversation's not interesting. It's like, well, you, you're a contributing factor in that. Yeah. You, you, you get to take, you know, you're a participant in that 100 feeling yeah, yeah I, I so i've always been fascinated by what you do like i mean you you truly have created i mean you've you have a scientific approach around how to study behavior but also how that we can benefit as people and you make a statement about hey you want to have impact in people's lives i i believe you do like i yeah. mean it's just me out there even just you know, you take this time to really write these emails out and you may not always hear me every time go back, but every time I read it, it does leave a, uh, an impact. And I'm like, Thank this you. is fantastic. So you're doing some really interesting things. Also, I think not just, you know, in the way you apply and, and work with people, but you're also intertwining and integrating technology into what you're doing. And I, I sent you a note saying, gosh, just be fascinating. Cause I not, I'm not sure of how to perceive myself. Like even when I'm doing these podcasts, mm. like sometimes I get so lost. I'm really focused on the other person. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I want to hear this person talk and, and uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about like this, this, what you're working on. It sounds fascinating. Yeah. So, so we have this program it's a couple of things. So I have like two companies of the nonverbal group. And then I have this company behavioral robotics, which is developing like a lot of technology that the nonverbal group uses. And basically, you know, you hear like a lot of body language advice or whatever. And a lot of it is not really grounded in any sort of truth. The truth is like everybody, when you're watching someone is having a slightly different version of reality. So like 150 people listen to a podcast and they all listen to it. And while they're listening to it, they're going through an experience, right? So some people are hearing something that I've said and they're like, oh, wow, like I really liked it. Other people are like, I've heard that before, I'm not interested. Like, so you, you don't have this sort of uniform, everybody's perceiving somebody the same exact way. 
But what we do have is we have like these trends and patterns in society that are a byproduct of a bunch of things. But like, I, I think more towards, towards this theory called predictive processing and how we sort of understand basically the, it's the mechanism for how we perceive the world. And there are certain things that sort of are, are, are triggers for those experiences. So for example, like head nodding, like if you're in a conversation with someone, you nod your head when they talk, right? Like you're doing it right now, right? You're not, you're not nodding your head for you. You're nodding your head for me. So like, that's a behavioral thing. That's a byproduct of what we call social coordination. Your head nodding to coordinate with me, showing me that you understand what I'm saying. Right. So we well, find, <laughs> yeah, it's getting like, if you do, it's so, what's so funny is this, like, if you start getting in your head about head nodding, you're like, what do I not quick? Do I not slow? Am I nodding too much? Am I nodding too little? Like it, it's all of that. But the truth is like, if you have somebody on a conversation, like if in an hour long conversation, somebody doesn't nod their head once, they're probably going to have some problems with social with perception. Wow. So people are going to perceive that person to be whatever, not likable, not engaged, not paying attention. It doesn't mean that they're not paying attention. There's people that can look at you dead in the eyes, not shake their head, not smile, not smirk, and really get a lot of value outside of what you're saying. They just don't socially coordinate. So a lot of like facial expressions analysis or, or discussion has gone in the area of emotion. So a lot of people are trying, I, that's one of my big things. Like, I think emotion is too broad of a category. Like we lump everything as like emotion and logic. Like the reality is you have like emotion and perspective and temper, like all these bigger things and themes, but you're not in social constructs. You're not always reading emotion. You're reading people's ability to socially coordinate. So like you can make an argument that if I, if I'm hearing you talk, this is where it gets weird, right? Like we socially coordinate in dynamics. So I could not be interested in what you're saying at all. Like I could be completely bored by it, but I could still be shaking my head like I am interested. <laughs> and it and it kind of creates this philosophical discussion of like, is that authentic? Is that inauthentic? Is that rude? Is that honest? Like it's tricky, right? Because at one point, if I really don't like what you're saying and I'm really bored, I could be like, this is not interesting. I'll talk to you later and walk away. But that like violates social norms. And that's like weird. But on the other hand, if I'm too like, oh, I'm super agreeable, people That's don't weird. like it, right? So there's this nuance to behavior that is just not really spoken about. And we use software to sort of document and understand that. So like That's building crazy. systems that can like, could basically map your head nodding and tell you that like you nod a certain way. And it, what's interesting is this is like, there's not these universal themes, but I, like if we had a camera on you, and we recorded every single one of your interactions for like six months and we ran analysis on just head nodding, we'd probably be able to determine like a cadence, a speed and a style to your head nod that when you're interested and when you're genuinely disinterested, <laughs> right? So it's That's not so like, weird. yeah, it's not like, cause you'll do things like you, you won't be really interested, but you'll be looking at someone and you'll be like, okay, cause you know that you have to nod your head in this dynamic, but does it mean that you're actually genuinely interested? So that's like people have the social world and social perception. And then you also have like a person's internal state. Like just all the, it's so much more complex than like if someone smiles, they like you. If someone shakes their head, they like, like there's multiple themes here. It's not just, it's not so simple. So what, what kind of organizations or individuals 
are coming to you for this type of coaching and, and why, like, what are they trying to get at? Do, do they have a problem with it or what, what are yeah, they? There's two things usually like, so from the corporate side or from the people side, like our, we're now getting more to B2C products, which is, is anybody that feels, I would say that they, they struggle or don't feel comfortable in interactions with people. And there's like a thousand reasons on why, whether, you know, they perceive themselves to be introverted and, and social dynamics are very taxing or they're ruminate, ruminating or judging themselves in their head about an interaction they had, like how'd I show up? There's that field. But in the business field, it's more direct. It's more like, it's either two things. One, they have been told something about themselves and they don't know the reason why. So for example, they're like, listen, they've gotten 360 feedback that they're like, they don't have empathy and they're really cold and they're really disconnected from other people. And they're like, they can't figure out what it actually is. And then the second thing is that like, they need skill sets for a particular circumstance. So for example, like somebody was managing a team of six and now they're managing a team of like 90 and they're not used to dealing with the operational cadence of a 90 person team and the interpersonal dynamics and all that stuff. And they need sort of help. So those are like the two bigger reasons that people come to us whenever there's like a gap. I'm, I'm good at solving like people's gap in perception. So like if you want to come across confident and you're not coming across confident, we're good at understanding like why, like here are the behaviors that and then here's how to change them. Or if you're coming across disrespectful and you don't understand why we're good at that. So we're good at mapping out perception to behaviors. So what, what, what are a couple of things that people can do, you know, simple things that, that would make a difference. Cause I, I, I'm, I seem to be keenly aware. Like I, I notice that with people, mm. there are a lot of people, especially consultants who they don't nod and, they make no movement, but I know they're listening because this is a consulting thing they I can see, but yeah, but it's also multifaceted, right? So like it, there are power dynamics at play. Like there might be a reason why. Uh, so like if, if, if I sit there and look at you and don't nod my head, I'm kind of creating a power structure. One in which like, I don't need to nod my head for you. Right. Wow. Like it, so it's more nuanced. Like I I've seen managers do that effectively. I've seen, managers like create a dynamic where they don't give a lot of acknowledgement, don't nod their head, don't do those types of things so that when they do it, it's genuinely respected. So like the, the thing about this is it's really a personal choice. So the thing you really want to do is like, you want to think about how do you want to be perceived in the world, right? Like, like if, if somebody were to describe you or tell stories about you or write certain things down, what would they say? And then you want to make sure your behavior is in alignment with that. So like if somebody comes to me and is like, listen, no, I want to be like the tough boss that everybody respects mm. and everybody fears. It's not, I can make an argument on why that doesn't necessarily work in 2023, but I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Like my, that's not my job. Like my job is not like convincing you to act a certain way. My job is to make sure that that is the perception that other people have of you. That's what I'm here for. So like, I'm personally like, I'm, you know, some people I'm quick. I'm a little bit all over the place. Sometimes I'm like chaotic. There, there's certain aspects of my communication that some people might highlight. 
And they might think that that's a bad thing. It's like, no, no, I like that. Like, that's the part of me that I like, that I respect. I, I never want to come across as like too controlled and too, I want to be like casual. Like, like, so, but that's not personal choice. So most people, they don't ever choose how they want to be. Like, they just think that this is, it's not. A lot of it is in your control. Like, if you want to be perceived wow. as more confident, you can be perceived as more confident. Like, confidence as a facet of perception and confidence as actually being confident are two different things entirely. So somebody could be the most confident about something and not show it. And somebody could be, that's what the whole notion of con man, right? Confidence man, right? Like, con man is somebody who's this false sense or fake confidence. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's the thing. Confidence is just such a, it's, it goes under, like, what is confidence? Like you, you'd think that confidence is you ask most people a definition. And you say like the belief in what you say, right? That's maybe a, 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 a statement. But the truth is, confidence really is a distribution of how society perceives movement and behaviors in social interactions. That's really what confidence is. So you talk to somebody and they're like, listen, I can make you a lot of money. They're like super confident. And you're like, oh, I really trust this person. Or they're, mm -hmm. all it is is just patterns on how you perceive confident behavior. So do you find that, is your business going up as a result that a lot of our interactions today to managing projects or managing things is, is more, like there's more opportunities to do video communications than there are? I, I think, yeah, that's one reason. I think why it's also becoming more interesting is that our society is more nuanced than it's ever been. There's more subgroups, different ways of thinking, different ways of approaching business that it, it's, it's becoming more challenging to navigate a, 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 a group. Right. So, so for example, like you could, there's so many things that go in, in corporate cultures, right? Like, but, Cor corporate cultures were way more homogenized in like the early 1950s or 60s. Like some of the things that you could say in the 50s and 60s, you'd lose your job. <laughs> right now. Right, Instant, right now, yeah. Right? But it, it it was more homogenized, but now it's more diverse. So like being in a lot of different cultures, like you'll see some cultures that, you know, are really about inclusivity and they genuinely are about inclusivity. Like there, it, it's a core functioning aspect of what they want to create at a team and organizational level. Like, listen, I, I always make the argument that like the reason why I want an inclusive culture is not, not to meet the status quo necessarily, but because when you have a spectrum of ideas and people from different walks of lives in the same room, it creates the best products. Like I believe that, right? Like I believe that like having people raised from different parts of the world and different religions and cultures and all that stuff, like when you bring that all together, it's just, the beauty of the spectrum of different people. Like it, it makes a better product. So I've seen companies that believe in that. And then I've seen other companies that want diversity just because they want to say that they want diversity, right? Like they, oh, they, right, right. they need to show the, it, right? quota they're hitting versus- Right, so you go into a culture and you see like, which one is this? Like, is this real? Like, oh, I don't think this is real. Like there's more nuance to navigate in corporate culture than there ever is. And you, you got to be tactful. You got to be wise. Like you got to not offend people. Like that can't get away with that shit anymore. Like it. Yeah. I mean, it is tough literally because I, I believe that because there are different cultures, but even just like different parts of the United States. Yeah. You know, I, I have yeah. clients, I have 
clients all over the place. And the culture in the Silicon Valley is very different than the culture in Texas. And those things 100%. you have to be very, very aware of. But I'll tell you a lot of what allows even our company to be successful or not successful is the ability to navigate that, that landscape landscape. Yeah. I mean, cause truly, I mean, we're, especially in consulting, right? We, we, we help companies do global data transformations. These things are massive undertaking and you, you need wicked smart people to be able to do that. And sometimes the so smart people, they, they're very analytical, very engineering, and they, they sometimes may miss the very basic formula of this culture that you have to respect now and, and understand because there is, it, I do believe there's value in having the diversity, but for some reason, if, if you can't get the leadership to get the cultures to blend to work together, it's impossible to get a project over a line. Yeah. So I, I find that we're, you know, a lot of times I'm, we're working on that more than the technology. It's like, you know, the technology will get there. Like we have good design and all that stuff. The challenge is this ability for the team to work together as a cohesive like unit with all the different perspectives. And, yeah. and in technology, it's even crazier because you have the opinion of a certain technology you know, you have a hundred percent. It's just, yeah. Insane. Like you, you have to create a dynamic where many perspectives are welcome. Most companies are not yeah. like that. So most companies right. are like, Oh, so you're, you're saying do this. And that, they don't stop and go, oh, let me think about why that's a good idea. It'd be like, well, that's stupid because of blah, 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 blah. like, it's just a cultural difference. Right. And there's some companies that spend so much time like thinking, 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 and don't get anything done. Like it's, it's more nuanced. I mean, like one of the things I like to see is like, all companies are fundamentally broken in so many different ways. It's just the successful ones are less broken than the unsuccessful ones. Right. It's just, like it's even so like the true. biggest, largest, I won't say oh, names, yeah. like the biggest, largest cor corporations, right? They have to be perfect. And they're the most broken. I, I'm like, yeah. how do you guys even do business in the day? And they could be, they could like, they could afford to be broke. Like a company, I think a good example was like Nintendo. Like Nintendo made so much money back in the day. Yeah. They just crushed it with like Game Boy and Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64. Like they were the dominating force that when PlayStation came in and Xbox came in and they had a hard time dealing with it, they had so much cash. They were, they were like, okay. Like they were able to stay around because they just had a lot of cash from prior success. So like sometimes companies yeah i've worked with some companies that i'm like how the hell why are you doing it this way like this is so stupid and then i'm like looking at it, i'm like there's this line of business even though it's stupid in the way that i think they're doing it i'm looking at a piece of the puzzle the truth is it's making 30 million dollars a year exactly like, and then yeah. so that you have a lot of those type of dynamics that are just like they're nuanced and they're they're weird and but they're interesting. Man, yeah i could see so i mean i know we haven't brought you in on some of these projects or or clients but i could see huge value like i you know i look back at the 25 years of major enterprise transformations and every single time i could say dang man if we had had blake there yeah i mean it's just a joke like so like the the big joke when i ever go into do these kind of organizational change or change management whatever is this you just call out that change management doesn't really work. 
that it's kind of like a bullshit industry and everybody shakes their head and agrees because yeah. they know that managing change is so difficult and dealing with organizational change is so hard. So sometimes when you lead an engagement with just acknowledging that this is not going to be some six phase pro like it's going to be hard. You got to get buy-in, you got to get all this stuff, you got to get this. And that's why anything that I've ever done, I always make sure that like my key, my key person is like willing to go to war or willing to really go to battle for this. And I'm, I'm talking to the key stakeholders because there's been a lot of times where like I've done some consulting stuff, created some really cool things. And then they're like, oh, well, we didn't, they love it, but you know, this is a little more progressive than I'm like, well, what did I waste my time for doing this? Right? Like, so a lot of companies say they want change. They don't want change. That's the truth. Yeah, I, so I could spit more truth because I'm getting an out of corporate <laughs> consulting. <laughs> well, I, I'm just act like they do. They, I so this is why I'm curious about what you're building from automation standpoint using AI and technology because sometimes I think people are more willing. It's scary. This is the case. They're more willing to take that advice and observation from like you know very technical automated yeah, yeah, view yeah, of yeah. things. Oh, cause it's not personal. It's like, this is just the way it's being analyzed. And I kind of see that there, that's where there could be a lot of value, especially like, like we do, we do massive large scale transformations and yeah, there's technology and stuff. But if I go back 25 years, inevitably the most important component of these things is the change management. And, and yeah. it's like, you know, it's just like dealing with like, Hey, you have, you have people in organizations, especially the really big organizations, like I've been doing this 25 years on this way. So why the heck would I want to do right. this now? That's what we're doing. It's like, oh, I don't care what we spent on that. I've been doing this correctly for 25 years. We deal a lot with that kind of attitude. But right now I see there is, you have the the, the current, you know, culture and then like the, the old school culture that's happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. But the, you also have this advantage where I think regardless of age, if you understand where technology can help you analyze, like take out some of the personal things around it and just show you and help you analyze what, how much more progress, success and value you could get out of by aligning some of the behavioral things that you just as people, we're, we're not able to self-reflect on some of these things. I think this is where organizations like yours and the, and the technology you're working on has a tremendous opportunity. I mean, if like right now, technology, data and analytics is so big, but it, it can be so, so painful for organizations because of the, the, the total age group and cultures that they're having to deal with. And they need some way or some person or organization to help them capture that and then make those. I don't think they're like, it's not like you could make this massive adjustment, but there are, I bet there's just common yeah. things L little, that you can, little, little things. things you can just nail and life's going to be so much more sm smooth in terms of adoption 
and utilization within these technologies. So yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I, what I'm what I'm really hoping happens is first of all, I, I'm glad. I, even though I'm not 100% coached and mentored by, by you, I still feel somewhat mentored because yeah, I do you take read your, yeah, your emails and stuff. But I think that I, I'm hoping that our clients also will see this and, and really start to think about this. Like, hey, there there is a technology perspective and, and game plan and architecture that we're working towards. But should we also be thinking about, you know, should we spend a percentage of that time and effort on correcting some of the behavioral things. Yeah, I mean, I think the big, the big thing in change management is focusing on framing the change to be the benefit of the person that's having to do it. So what often happens is they're like, oh, we're doing a new thing. And you do a new thing and you don't understand the bigger picture of why that new thing works for the company. It's never explained. So it's just like, we're, we're switching to this. And then people get frustrated because they don't have the context. They don't have the bigger picture. So like, for example, like, let's say you're, you're on a, you're using some Jira or some different project management tool or whatever, and you start moving over to Asana and you start integrating Asana in a culture. And most people are like, it's the same thing. Why are you wasting my time? Like, I don't want to use this. Everybody has their preferences, but if they understand maybe that like using Asana's dashboard systems and portfolios, we're trying to give a bigger view of the company. Like if you re if they really get it, most people are rational enough to be like, okay, that's fair. Like this makes sense. Like, it makes sense that we're doing this, but it's usually not explained well. It's just like, Hey, we're doing this. And people are like, Oh God, I don't want to do this again. Right. Like, and I, I think there's just a, a healthy starting conversation. If people can just be like a little bit genuine, even where it's like, listen, I have no idea why we're doing this, but we have to like, that's more genuine than anything else. Like just, being very clear on why you're making the change from a top-down level is incredibly important. And then how you deliver that message can have a pretty big impact. No, that's a great point. I, I would love to be able to pull together like a leadership like session with all of our, our top leadership and, and have this discussion. Yeah, It's interesting because I, I think each of our leaders at Comer, they do have this capability, but I think we could enhance e even further because they, they, they have the, a natural, they have this from, I, it's probably how they rose to the level that they are. They naturally have this observation mode and a way to, to get buy-in with people, that, that, that small buy-in. But I think even for me, like I, I should be really good at, at this. But I, I, mm. I think even personally, you know, I may not be completely aware of like how yeah. I'm coming across. So. Yeah. I mean, you never are like, it, that's the <laughs> trick. It's like, that's why, that's why I'm trying to do all this stuff is to show people like how other people are. Cause you're, you, even if you ask for feedback, like getting feedback from people around you is so tricky too, because like feedback's usually like bias. If you ask a friend, they're too nice. If you ask a colleague, they might be too tough. Like it's really hard to, that's why we've like, if you ask somebody, it's so interesting. If you ask someone after a conversation, like, how did you like that conversation? People have a very difficult time answering. Like, they just can't. Well, it was good. It was fine. But if you make it more direct and you ask, like, prompted questions, things along the lines of, like, if on a scale from 1 to 10, if you owned a business, how likely would you be to hire the person that you just had a conversation with? 
they're way better at it. They're like, oh, I don't oh. Know that person. Or on a scale from one to 10, how likely would you bring this person to a dinner that you're attending? They're, so that's when you get to really see people's perceptions. When it's, by, when it's connected to an outcome, how likely would you watch this kid? Would you just watch this kid? Or like, how likely would you think this person would succeed at this role? Like people are so much better. But when you ask just these like open-ended questions, they don't know really how to calibrate. So like a lot of our inventories are based on that, like based on trying to understand like what's a question that is at the undertone of understanding how someone trusts another person. Well, hmm. if we think about trust, we know like the highest point of trust would probably be family and livelihood and business. Right. Like, and then you could triage that. So you could be like, how not triage it, but like layer it. So like, what is the level of trust that you would do for, a, for your family? So like, would you invite them into your home? Oh, on a that's scale pretty sad. Right. That's like yeah. high trust. So like, yeah. it's interesting that certain people just off one conversation have already established a high level of trust with it, with others. Right. Then we could take it down and we could make it more trivial. Like how much would you trust this person with like a hundred dollars of your own money? And it'd be like, I don't know. And you'll see certain people for whatever reason, have right. high and low trusts, right? Like, and then you're able to figure out reverse engineer what behavior is in alignment with that. So this is a good segue into, we're, we need to wrap up here on right. the podcast. First of all, thank you very much for of coming course. back. I'd love to keep, you know, keep yeah, having keep you going. back, not to put you on a spot. So what do yeah. you think about this conversation? It's <laughs> like, great. I mean, listen, so like this conversation was great, but it, it's unfair because you have more context. True. Okay. Right. So like yeah. what's interesting to me always is like the podcast or the conversations that are like minimal context. So the question is like, where would this con, if we view this as a conversation and me and you were like complete strangers that never knew anything about each other. Yeah. Like how would your ability to navigate that construct be? But you did great considering like I've had, I've had conversations with people that have had a lot of context and the conversations happen go well, but like, yeah, you asked very specific sort of focused questions, which were great. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's more interesting when, if you didn't know me, right. Darn. Like that, okay. <laughs> but like that's, but think about it because that's the, if, if we look at conversations across the landscape of social interactions, the bulk of your conversations are going to be like that. Right. And this is a weird conversation. It's a podcast. So yeah. like this, this conversation has this construct of like other people are listening. You're trying to ask me questions that are like insightful and good for the audience. And like, so it's a different thing, but, and that's a big, the, one of the best ways of having good social interactions is to understand the construct that the social interaction is in. So like if you're having a one-to-one -one meeting, like sometimes like you have a one-to-one -one with an employee and it's like, what is the construct of your one-to-one -one meeting? Is it, are you trying to inspire them? Are you trying to figure out what's, what's in their way and how you could help them? Are you trying to reprimand them? Like just understanding what the construct is makes it better. So because that's why probably like people are going to be better at a podcasting format because you know what the construct is. Right. Right. Like right. it's, but if, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're great. So I wouldn't be having this conversation if I, if I did it. So there we no, go. I, I think, you know, honestly, my whole thing is I, I try to, I want to have podcasts that are more like a couple guys having, or people having a conversation that you'd want to just listen in on. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, I, I rather have that feel, 
but I think oftentimes I, I get wrapped up really easily in, in people's skill set. And I, it's, it's very intriguing to me. So I tend to just ask questions. That quality, relate I mean, to that's like, a good quality to have. Like yeah. you want to be curiously engaged in the other person. It's going to look a lot different if you're like, yeah, like whatever, like, da, 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 okay, it sounds good. You know, we've listened to some of those podcasts before. So <laughs> do I even need to be here? Like, should yeah. I go? You know? Like, yeah. yeah. I'm subconsciously trying to get a good grade is what's going on now. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, that's an interesting. Last point. Like, so that's an interesting thing, right? Like people show up in social interactions with that mindset. Like they want it to go well. They want it to be right. But like in order to get graded, you would have to come before this conversation. You'd have to list out what do I want to happen and how do I want this to go in order to actually be graded? That's why there's mm. just no such thing as a perfect social interaction. So right. like the only time we can measure perfect is like, if you wrote down my goal is to have a conversation with Blake for 50 minutes and get three insights that I can use to cut up for social, you could easily measure that. Right. Like but when you're actually having conversations, it's very difficult to like, what's good, what's bad, what worked, what didn't work. Like I've had conversations that are absolutely brutal with people and I am assertive and they don't like me. And then the last five minutes of the conversation, like the conversation fundamentally maybe changes their life. But to get to that point, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't fluffy. It wasn't all these things. So like I really, anybody that's in social interactions, like really look at the mechanism at which you judge yourself in interactions because a lot of it's not really based on anything that's real. It's just like your own weird stuff. You know, it's so crazy. So again, I, I appreciate you coming on here. This is so fascinating because it's so complex, but I, I don't think mm. most people have any level of, of awareness. And yet if they could get just a bit of coaching they would be amazingly different, yeah, like just helps. amazing. So I appreciate your time here. I hope we yeah, get a course. chance to do it again. This is super yeah, fun. No. There's a ton of material here that I was like, Hey, if we can take this little bit over here and we'll post that. So yeah, thank you very much. I hope we get a chance to, to see each other again soon. And of course, in, man, uh, catch up soon. our other setting, but thank you very much, Wake. All right. Have a great day. You too.